you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging the various uh, variants like Neo in the Matrix. That's just what we do here. But, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully uh, things will start to get better really soon. In the meantime, what is getting better really soon is that we're getting closer to actual football. We had football-like substance over the weekend with the Hall of Fame game. We've got more preseason action coming up this week where the rest of the teams will start to get into action so we got plenty to talk about and we are continuing our uh, our cavalcade of fantasy stars throughout this offseason uh joined today well first of all joined as always by uh, producer justin who is alongside pushing the buttons and, and making this thing sound good uh but joined today by a guy who i can now claim officially is a friend of the program he has been here multiple times and excited to have him back uh, you can see him doing his thing over the Pro Football Network, uh, a guy who has uh, written for various outlets uh, over the last yeah. couple of years, but uh, happy to have him here. It is Eric Moody. Moody, appreciate you coming on. Uh, how are things? Marcus, things are going pretty good. Hey, appreciate the invite as always. I was I was kind of smiling because when you said like variant, yeah, immediately the nerd in me thought about Loki. <laughs> Loki, right? Inside, you know, I was, I was thinking about that. So and in Marvel Cinematic Universe and all those shows. But no, things are going really well. Uh, excited that preseason football is here. And uh, things are really just ramping up for us over at Fantasy. But, yeah, a lot of great things cooking over at Pro Football Network. Very glad to be part of that organization. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the future holds, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you were uh, saying before we started here, uh, you've got a busy slate today. So uh, I am glad that you carved out some time for me here in this thing. It'd be great. Um, all right, let's get started, though, with some uh, just some news around training camp, because that's always important this time of year. Uh, oh, yeah. Deshaun Watson returned to Texans practice. Now – Depending on you know what reports you're reading, he either just sort of stands off to the side, or sometimes he's actually playing and balling out. Uh, again, you know everything is sort of you know, word of mouth right now because that's just sort of how training camp is. But the bigger question is Deshaun Watson has been, I think, one of the bigger mysteries for fantasy drafters so far this summer. For you, how have you handled him? Have you have you touched him in any drafts? Are you staying away? How are you handling this? <laughs> That, that is the magic question. I would say for me personally, I've been avoiding him. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really just so much uncertainty. You know, you've got, you know, his legal situation, like on one end, you've got the NFL possible suspension that's coming. And I can just see the Texans moving forward with Tyrod Taylor, you know, as their starter. Uh, solid target, too, if you're in a super flex or two quarterback league is like your QB three. But uh, even if Watson returns. I'm like, his supporting cast is suboptimal, in my opinion. It's just not enough upside with that supporting cast to take on the risk with your roster by drafting him. So that's my opinion on it, Marcus. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I, I haven't touched him anywhere. And I felt like earlier in the summer, 
I wasn't seeing him getting drafted at all. If so, it was like maybe the last pick in the draft. Now mm-hmm. I'm starting to see more people kind of take swings at him. And it's, it's look, it's still late. I'm not saying that people are drafting him as a QB one, but it's more, yeah. you know, 13th, 14th round, just under the hope that he comes back. I haven't had the stomach to do it because like you said, there's just so much uncertainty <laughs> around it that I just, I just don't want any part of it. There are so many other quarterbacks out there that don't have that uncertainty that I would rather do that. But when you look at it, and you talk about those suboptimal pieces there in Houston around him, right? I feel like Brandon Cooks is kind of the only guy that anybody has even the smallest bit of excitement about. Yeah. How much of this is impacted by Deshaun Watson being there? Like, like if he shows up, do you feel at least a little bit better about what's around him in Houston? I would say just just a little bit, but I would say overall, it just um it doesn't really change like my perspective like at all when you think about like some of the other players. Like I know you mentioned Brandon Cooks, you know, he's a guy that I'm excited about. Uh, a lot of people aren't talking about him. You know, he could see easily 130 more targets in that offense. Just to give you a little history, I'm like he's one of five receivers to exceed a thousand or more receiving yards in at least five seasons since 2015. And so his value is there. He just doesn't have much around him, so they're going to funnel targets, you know, to him. But you look at Watson; he carried the offense last season. You know, the running game was terrible. You know, David Johnson and uh, the other pieces that they have there. It, it's slightly improved. You've got a uh, elder statesman and uh, Mark uh, Mark Ingram there. And um, you got Philip Lindsay, you know, you got Rex Burkhead, but I still don't expect much of an improvement, you know, just considering their offensive line. So, again, it's it's a situation to bring all that together that a lot of people uh, are, I would say, avoiding. But I would say there's always opportunity and chaos, you know, Sun Tzu said. And so I would prioritize Cooks. You've got Lindsay as a, uh, you know, potential RB4, low-end RB3 with upside. I think he can easily take over that backfield as the season progresses. So that's just some quick thoughts on the Texans from a fantasy lens. Yeah. No, I'm, by the way, I'm always a fan of uh, Art of War references on this show. So, you know, feel free uh, at any time to, to drop some Sun Tzu nuggets here. That's all good. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, I think it's better with Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's great with Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I've told myself a story where David Johnson can see a lot of targets and maybe have a little bit of value, but even that is not – it's not a great story. It's not one that I, I want to go revisit a whole lot. Uh, you know, I feel like Philip Lindsay could have an opportunity just because it seems like he always finds a way to break through no matter the situation, but uh, everything about this seems bad. That, that organization right now is, to put it kindly, a mess – um, and so it, it, it's for me, I, I have generally stayed away, I think from any Texans, but you know, I feel it's always, it's always worth, you know, getting somebody else's perspective to, to see, uh, you know, whether or not maybe I'm i I'm a little bit out of bounds, but I, it doesn't seem like I am right now. So I feel better about that. No. Um, Saquon Barkley is off the pup. He came back to practice on Monday and, and Moody, this is a guy that I was really sort of keeping an eye on because he didn't seem confident about his recovery and when he was going to be back. The Giants didn't really seem all that excited about it. So I was sort of uncertain. Now that we know he's back, how high are you willing to draft him? Ooh, again, another great question. I was thinking, too, just to throw in another Marvel reference. I know he was joking that he went to Wakanda to try to get some advanced (laughs) medical technology. And uh, I think that may finally come to fruition now. But, no, I'm excited about Barkley. I I would say I'm I'm a – I'm willing to draft him as high as like the middle of the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just really tough to pass like on a running back that's getting that type of opportunity share. And he's had some success. I know he's missed games, but I'm like, he's finished as an RB two or better in 81% of his uh, 31, you know, career, uh, you know, games that he's been active. Uh, he's averaged nearly like 23 opportunities, 115 total yards per game. Uh, just to bring all that together, you know, for those that are listening, it's, 
I would say the only backs that I would draft like over Barkley right now uh, would be Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. uh, Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. uh, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. Those would be the only ones for me. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's fair too. And I, I, I you know, I think at the start of the year, I thought I still had him in my top three. I've knocked mm-hmm. him out of the top three right now. And I think the, the guys yeah. you mentioned are probably the only ones that I would feel confident with over Saquon. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's just for me, it's just a matter of making sure that he is actually healthy and ready to go. Because if he's there, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not worried about the workload at all. Um, yeah. I mean, if he got some vibranium parts put in his knee, then then maybe I bump him all the way up to number one. Who knows? But, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but foregoing that. Uh, I think you're right. I still, I still think he's worth a top five pick. Um, you know. I, so here's this: I, I have been crazy about drafting Travis Kelsey as high as possible. Would you draft Saquon ahead of of Kelsey? Ooh, that, that that's a really intriguing question. Um, my my instincts are telling me uh, I'm comfortable going with Kelsey because is right. is you and I both know it's like the. The, the tight end landscape is as desolate as like the wasteland in the Mad Max film series. And so you get that production there, but then you can come back in the second round and get like a, a really solid uh, like running back. So I'm comfortable drafting uh, Kelsey like ahead of Barkley. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, all right. Let's go over to, to Baltimore. Uh, injuries suck. They always do. They always will. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Bateman left practice early on Tuesday with an injury. Uh, reports are he was running. He collapsed and fell, was was helped off the field, had a very noticeable limp. So, I mean, at, at the moment that we are recording this podcast, we're not sure exactly what it is or the severity of it. But, um, you know, I was already sort of skeptical i guess is the best word about rashad bateman not because of his talent but just because of the situation uh, i mean as you look at it now it, it, what about this passing game i mean are you in on are you more in on marquise brown he's had his issues are you in on sammy watkins uh, where do you go if you want part of the baltimore passing game yeah uh my initial thought is to go with uh to go with bateman you know i'm really high on bateman you know like you are you know college tape you know the statistics you know collegiate body of work all that so uh, I'm, I'm on bateman there i'm a little bit more optimistic about the uh, ravens passing game uh, than other folks because mm-hmm. i'm like we've, we've got the additional game you know that's added on uh i could just see lamar jackson like setting like a career high like in pass attempts this year I can see that happening. I think you're looking at an offense that has the potential for, I would say, at least two receivers, and I'm counting Mark Andrews as the tight end into that too, to exceed like over 100 targets. So I really think it comes down to a street fight between Bateman and Marquise Brown. But I think they're on a level playing field. We'll see how long he's out just to build that rapport with uh, Jackson because it really wasn't there with Brown and Lamar Jackson last year. And so I am optimistic about Bateman. I think it's a, it's a chance that he emerges as like the, the number one wide receiver target in that offense and is ultimately more productive than Brown. And I think he's uh, at least according to ADP when I look last, I'm like, he's going uh, past Brown, I believe. Right, Marcus. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think back to my memory. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you you are I think one of the people who is optimistic about the Baltimore passing game in the, in the sense of them throwing it more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I feel like we've heard that song before, and so I I've, <laughs> I've become sort of jaded and skeptical to the point that like I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah. But I do think if if it happens, there are going to be a lot of people who guessed right and who are going to end up profiting from that, whether mm-hmm. it is Brown or Bateman or. You know, that that one week of Sammy Watkins that we seem to get every single year. Um, yes. You know, I, I just I know that, that I'm I'm skeptical. I've been burned before by, by buying into this, uh, but I'm willing to be optimistic and sort of sort of dive back in. You go into your shower feeling tired. 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. In Indianapolis, uh, Sam Ellinger got work at the quarterback during practice on Tuesday. You know, Before we had been told it was going to be Jacob Eason, it seemed as though things were trending that way with Carson Wentz out. Um, do, do you have a preference? Does it, does it really matter to you in terms of uh, the pieces? Because nobody's drafting Eason or Ellinger. Let's just, let's just get that out of the way. But in no. terms of the pieces around you, does, no. does it matter a whole lot which guy is the quarterback, or is it just kind of all the same? Uh, it, it really doesn't matter because even before the Carson Wentz uh, injury, you know, I didn't have him projected to to throw the ball a ton or to accumulate like a, a high number of passing yards. Mm. I just really believed and still do that this offense will be driven by Jonathan Taylor. He's the engine that is going to propel uh, this offense with the running game. They've got one of the top offensive lines uh, in the league. You know, run blocking wise, they're solid pass protectors. I just think it's an opportunity just to to kind of take the line then you know aside in the meeting, saying, "Hey, you're gonna have to carry this team." And and just as an ex offensive lineman, I'm like, if if my position coach is telling me that, I'm salivating at the opportunity <laughs> to kind of get out there and really uh, to really kind of drive things. And so I think they'll end up leaning heavily on um, you know obviously on Jonathan Taylor. His ADP's kind of dipped a little bit because people are like, "Oh no, Wentz is gone!" Ah, oh. like, <laughs> don't panic. It's fine. But I would say the receivers, it's some opportunity there. You're looking at like T.Y. Hilton, who's dirt cheap in drafts. I'm like, mm-hmm. you could easily see, you know, 90 plus targets. I'm not as high on Pittman and hoping he breaks out because I know hope's not a strategy. Pitt, uh, uh, Hilton's still the guy and he's got some Colts records that he can break that'll kind of put him on the level of like a, a Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. So I think that'll be baked into saying, hey, we got to get this guy's number so he can really cement his legacy in Indianapolis. Not saying that Hilton's a Hall of Famer, but he's got some skins on the wall that he cannot etch even more of them in Indianapolis, just like their, you know, their team records. And so, again, that's kind of my take on it. But uh, as far as a quarterback, to answer your question, to kind of tie it all together, I, I, I don't really care. It's like, don't care. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of the consensus is that it's Easter, like, whatever, man. Like, it's going to be about the same. Um, I did think that I, I do think that's an interesting take, though, on T.Y. Hilton. That's one that I hadn't considered. Uh, that there are there are reasons there is extra motivation to get out there and maybe get him the ball and, and that's oh, yeah. something that I that I had not taken into account. Uh, I mean, I was I was hashtag Team Pittman and I still am, but uh, but that gives me kind of a new way to look at at Ty Hilton, especially uh, in drafts and in those later yeah. rounds. Uh, by the way, you, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Uh, did, how much did losing Quentin Nelson affect his his ranking for you? Did that did that change a lot for you? Yeah, at least for me personally, uh, it it didn't really impact it, uh, mm. you know, much at all. I'm still very comfortable, you know, drafting him uh, at his ADP. And I'm just thinking, even if you could start like a draft, if you're picking late in the first round, I'm like, just the possibility of being able to land a guy like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, and then come back at the top of the second and get, you know, someone like Antonio Gibson. I'm like, that that's something that that's really attractive to me if I'm, if I'm drafting from that spot or you may be fortunate enough to even get, say, if you get like at the 111, I'm like, if you get like Tyreek Hill, then you could turn around and get Jonathan Taylor, like if his ADP continues mm-hmm. to dip. So, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for that. All right. Yeah. No, I, 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 I look, if he's going to fall that far, I will gladly yeah. scoop him up in the second oh, round yeah. and, uh, and thank everybody for the privilege for that. Um, 
off the field, on the field? I don't know. Anyway, Hard Knocks starts tonight. It is back for another season this year. It is the Dallas Cowboys under the spotlight there, which means uh, it, it should be entertaining. If for no other reason, then I, I expect we're going to see plenty of Jarrah uh, around, around <laughs> our TV screens for the next few weeks. But what I always love about Hard Knocks is there's always a player or two that you see him flash in one episode or maybe in a preseason game, and he gets sort of that hard knocks fantasy bump, right? Where the next few days, that player's ADP jumps up a little bit. Um, if you were to predict, who do you think gets the hard knocks fantasy bump in the next month? It's it's only one answer to this question. It, it, it's CD Lamb. I, I'm like I'm looking on Twitter. It's like every other day. It's like this CD Lamb, like you know, catch or you know, body control. He's blowing by someone, and then like it gets like you know, fantasy football Twitter, like in a like in a frenzy. Just like the the, the gif with the the guy at the wrestling uh, match with the popcorn. He's like this, and it's flying all over the place. But in all seriousness, though, you look at Lamb. I'm like it, it, it's warranted. You know, he stockpiled 433 yards and in the first five games last year we had Dak under center you know before his uh his injury so mm -hmm. I think with these videos that are being posted by uh you know NFL uh, beat reporters writers that's going to propel it hard knocks is going to propel it but but again I, I think there's always like two sides to this who I think really benefits from this who could be a really nice value is uh like Amari Cooper I know he's kind of dealing like with the injury, but he's he's still the number one guy, and he's still going to lead this team in targets. And I'm like, he finished last year as a wide receiver, 15 in PPR. I'll kind of close on a nugget. I'm like, he had a career high 92 receptions last year, 1,114 receiving yards, had five touchdowns. Fourth player in Cowboys history to finish with 90 plus receptions in a season. He's not going away, but I think with the ascension of CD Lamb due to hard knocks and Cooper kind of dealing with this injury, but we're still, we're still week, many, many weeks away from the regular season starting. So mm -hmm. I think Cooper's going to be the better value. I, you know, and it's funny too, because so last year I, I stayed away from Amari Cooper, not because I didn't like him. I just, yeah. in the past, he had been so volatile, right? Where he will give you the huge spike weeks and then he would come back with a, you know, like a, an eight point, seven point game and would just mm -hmm. be so frustrating Last year, that wasn't the case. He was a lot more consistent. He had a mm -hmm. lot safer floor. And if that's yeah. the Amari Cooper that shows up this year, then you're right. He's going to be an absolute value. The the CD Lamb hype. I mean, it, look, it, let's be real. It started from the moment the Cowboys drafted him. Um, it would have been deafening had, as you mentioned, Dak not gotten hurt last year. Now it's just off the rails. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I feel I feel like from the first day of camp, what, what, I think it was the first day of camp, there was a video that showed up with him making like a ridiculous catch mm -hmm. like in the corner of the end zone and Twitter lost its collective damn mind. Yeah. Um, and it's and you're right. Maybe it, it may only get worse during uh, during hard knocks. I'm sort of hoping it's like a Tony Pollard or something that Tony Pollard does something ridiculous or he has like a lot more personality than we know of uh, and he gets a bump. But but you're probably right. The CD Lamb, the CD Lamb ADP is going to be through the roof. By the time we're, we're done with this thing, man. Uh, all right. So, Eric, you've been writing, you know, like I said, you're over at Pro Football Network. You recently wrote about some underrated players that that more folks should be targeting in drafts. The first name on that list that really caught my eye was Baker Mayfield because, you know, obviously as a rookie, we expected big things out of Baker Mayfield. It was, yeah, you know, and then yeah, he that first year with Kevin Stefanski, not great. And so I feel like everybody jumped off the Baker bandwagon. Like at this point, everybody's like, ah, no, thanks. I don't want any parts of it. There are a few holdouts. You seem to be one of them. 
why is this finally the year for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I, I really like what I saw from Baker last year. And I, I think we're in such a, I guess, like, we, we just don't like to wait, like, wait on things. And I think it's even, it, 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 and football is like perfect because it's like, you know, these guys have these stellar college careers that come in. It's just like, what are we going to do this year? Let's see it. But you think about it, this is their job. I'm like, if, mm-hmm. if you're working and you've got, uh, it takes some ramp up time, you know, maybe like a year, year and a half, just depending on your skill set. And so I think Baker is one of those guys because what really makes me excited about him, he's got a second season, you know, with uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, in that offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Browns have two stud running backs, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, that can put fear in defenses. You know, they've got a solid offensive line, but I just see the Browns leaning more on Mayfield uh, and their play-action passing game, which is a great fit, you know, for Mayfield. Uh, If you take out those two bad weather games, like from last year, like he averaged 31 pass attempts a game. So I think you're looking at someone at his ADP that you can can pick uh, at a nice discount, you know, someone that can be a high-end QB2 for you, but he's going to give you some QB1 games throughout the year. And so that's really why I like Baker. The play action passing, I think, is a, a big deal. Um, you know, because that yeah. the, the Browns offense and Baker specifically was so much more successful oh, when yeah. they were going to play action. So hopefully that is a thing that they lean on a little bit. Any concerns though that you know, because they are so good defensively and they have those two running backs, that they spend a lot of time just kind of going into a shell that you know they you know, hey, we're just gonna shorten the game, we're gonna play defense, we're gonna run the football, and maybe they take the ball out of Baker's hands. Any any worries about that? Yeah, and that's a really good point, uh, Marcus. But it's uh, I'm not overly concerned because I, I think it's a situation for where if you if you do end up playing like too conservative, especially in today's like NFL where things are really catering you know towards the offense, I don't think they would rather want him to be in a situation for where like he's pressing. Mm-hmm. I just think if they can have that balance and really thread you know kind of um, you know really drive the running game into the uh, the defense and then kind of get him some pass attempts off of that. I just think that's where he's going to be in a better position, like for success. So I just, I was to be surprised to see them get too conservative and not just really want to win games. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause as soon as, as soon as I said that I was, I, I was reminded of a thing JJ Zacharyson said not too long ago is that, you know what, in order for them to be able to, to kind of go into a shell and get conservative, they got to score points and they got to, they got to get a lead in the first place. So yeah, exactly. uh, you, you very well could be right there. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Chris Carson was also on your list. Chris Carson, to me, has pulled off the unbelievable magic trick of being the guy that every year we look at him and we're like, Chris Carson's so underrated. He should be drafted higher. Like, and But every year, he's never drafted higher. He's always underrated. He almost nearly outperforms his ADP. I am looking for the reason why Chris Carson doesn't get more love. I can't figure it out. I don't know if you have an answer for that. Yeah, it just may be the, the perception is that he... I think it's just that he can't he can't stay healthy. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the the perception, but he is underrated, you know, year in and year out, and he continues to be a nice value. I'm like, if you're really worried about like his injury history, I'm like, well, where he's being drafted, I'm like, it's it's a calculated risk, you know, to take. But I think you've, he's got the trust of, of Russell Wilson. He's got mm-hmm. the trust, you know, of Pete Carroll, you know, the entire like offensive staff. They're like, okay, we got a running back, we trust him to run in between the tackles. We'll kind of use him as a receiver out of the backfield, you know, when when we can. But if you look at his numbers. I'm like, he averaged 19 opportunities, 92 total yards, 15.5 PPR fantasy points per game, like, since 2018. I'm like, he's a solid, like, running back, too. He may not have RB1, like, upside, but at his ADP, sometimes you just need guys that, you know, hey, I've got a consistent RB2 that's here. I'll get my upside uh, in another spot in my roster. So, I love the guy. I do. I absolutely love him. I draft him wherever I can. Um you know, and there's still always that chance that he ends up sort of as a fringe RB1. And, you know, if, exactly. if, if everything breaks right, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him finish at 11 or 12 or something like that. But I just mm-hmm. I, I started to laugh that everybody, you know, you, you ask you ask writers, fantasy writers and analysts like who is an underrated player. And like you'll get so many people saying Chris Carson. And I'm like, how is he underrated if we all think he's underrated? Like at some point you would think Crazy. we would wise up, but but we don't. Um. Logan Thomas was another name on your list. And and he was a guy that I liked him at times. I also said a lot of that it seemed like he was just out there getting his steps in because he ran a lot of routes and they just weren't throwing the ball in his direction. But I've started to see more people kind of get on this bandwagon for Logan Thomas. How high would you take a shot at him? I mean, obviously, he's not a, you know, he's not a Kittle or a Wall or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, where where would you be comfortable drafting him? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was thinking about this question, and, and I would say uh, I would say the sixth round. You know, if you're okay. looking at like a twelve team like PPR mm-hmm. uh, draft, because you know if you're just looking for a solid tight end and well, someone that can finish like as a tight end one, and, and I believe he can. Yeah, you know, I, I believe he can finish like easily as a top five tight end. But here's the reason why I'm optimistic. I'm like, you know, Thomas will play in the same offense for the second season for the first time in his career, <laughs> and 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 that. You people underestimate that. It's just like it's like the equivalent of like having to learn like a like a like a new like role like at, at your job that's still mm-hmm. in the same silo, but having to learn like a new role. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to help him out quite a bit. I'm like he's going to have an opportunity to run more downfield routes, you know, within uh, uh, Norv and uh, Scott Turner's offense. Couldn't think of his uh, son's name at first. Uh, so they're, they're going to be able to run more downfield routes uh, in that offense. Uh, he's got uh, McLaurin. He's got Curtis Samuel that'll open things more uh, up for him in the middle of the field, you know, cause they're going to threaten defenses vertically and McLaurin actually has like a, a playmate and he's just not all, all solely on him. They're college buddies. They're going to have a great season. I'm sure. Uh, one thing with Fitzpatrick having him there, I'm like, he's averaged nearly 10 yards per attempt when throwing the tight ends over the last two seasons. And again, you're looking at someone that can finish as a mid range tight end one. So those are just some quick reasons on why I'm pretty high on Logan Thomas. No, I think that's cool. Uh, like I said, I, I, I cause we are thirsty for tight ends, right? And and the more that we can get into mm-hmm. the tent that we think can be productive, I think the better off we're going to be. Um, you know, yeah. and and it, for those of you who, who don't like to reach for tight ends, like not everybody can reach for a tight end or not everybody's going to get one of those top three guys. So I think the more mm-hmm. viable options we have at the position, the better. So um, oh, I'm yeah. willing to buy in. And, and I think you're right about mm-hmm. the offense thing. It is, it's sort of like, you know, if you were to have a, a company reorg and you get a new boss or something like every year, or every two years, uh, and oh, they, yeah. just change, they just want to change how everything is done. Like your job I essentially know. is the same, but, but the process is different and it can get. Uh, exactly. That's a good analogy. Love it. <laughs> it can be, it can be a thing. Um, 
So lately, since training camp has started, I've been playing a little game with my guests called Who's More Likely to Break Out? Pretty simple. You know, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. So I got a handful of guys, and uh, I'll give you an either or, and you tell me who you think is more likely to break out in 2021. Okay. So the first one, uh, we're going Miles and Miles. Miles Sanders or Miles Gaskin? Yeah, Miles Gaskin for me. You know, monster opportunity, share opportunity there. Uh you know, he doesn't have much competition, you know, his job to lose. I'm like, he's got like uh, Devontae Parker, you know, Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller spreading out the defense, creating running lanes. So Gaskin is the guy. I feel like he's another one who's underrated, too. Like, we're not talking oh, about him. Um, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he just I don't know, he's a smallish guy. I, I have no idea why, but I feel like he's kind of gotten overlooked. Uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of conversations and and one of the things I loved about the Dolphins last year is that whoever their running back was for that week he was the guy you know when it was Miles Gaskin oh, yeah. there wasn't anybody else taking snaps or touches it was Miles Gaskin when he got hurt and it was Savan Ahmed it was Savan Ahmed's backfield so uh, as long as Miles Gaskin is is healthy uh, I think he's going to get a ton of work there but I don't think we're talking about it enough at least um, all right uh, more running backs a couple of rookies Michael Carter or mm-hmm. Trey Sermon? Yeah, for this one, it's uh, Michael Carter for me. I'm like, he had a phenomenal career at like North Carolina. You know, he was uh, part of a committee with uh, Javante Williams. So, you know, he performed like really well. I'm like, if you look at Carter, I'm like, he totaled, uh, I think it was around like 380, 379 like touches. Uh, close to 2,700 yards, like 16 touchdowns, like in two seasons. Uh, but the opportunity is there for the taking uh, in New York. So I like him quite a bit. Yeah, I've I've definitely been on the Michael Carter bandwagon. I just I keep saying this like the Jets intrigue me and I feel like I, I fear that it's going to burn me because, you know, Jets. But I, I I'm I'm intrigued by Michael Carter, Elijah Moore. Um, you know, I want to see what Corey Davis can do now that he is at least on paper, the number one wide receiver uh, somewhere. I'm just I'm just very interested in watching them. And for the most part, like the draft price is kind of right for a lot of these guys too to, to take a shot at and oh, yeah. have a lot of risk. Um, over to Denver, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? Oh, man, this yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is a tough one for me. I'm just like, wow, it, it, it's tough. But um, you know, I, I'm going to say uh, Jerry Judy because you, okay. you got so you got Sutton that's coming up, you know, off of his uh, you know knee injury. Mm-hmm. It may take him a little time to get acclimated, but Judy has gotten a taste last year of being like the number one option. So I think that may have even accelerated his uh, development, but I I think he's going to have like lesser corners on him this year with Sutton, you know, being back. And so I think he's going to prosper and he's going to uh, really going to thrive. And I know he didn't have a ton of, uh, you know, a high number of uh, catchable targets uh, last year. And so the hope is with having Bridgewater there, you know, getting the nod that that would uh, improve. And so I'm just really high on uh, Judy when it's compared to uh, Sutton. But both are really good ADP values right now, so can't complain I'm, there. You answered the question I was going to ask you. Is do you do you prefer Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? And you, <laughs> you pretty much put that oh, out yeah. there. Um, yeah, that's the one thing we just – I think we just want good, consistent quarterback play mm-hmm. uh, for whoever – whichever Broncos receiver you want to take. You just want to make sure that there's a guy who can get him the football. Exactly. Um, all right, last one. Darnell Mooney or Michael Gallup? Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's Darnell Mooney. Um, mm. I know we've got Dalton that's there. You know, we've got Justin Fields waiting in the wings. But with just some of the changes that they've made, you know, with, with moving on from like Anthony Miller, uh, I think it really sets up for Mooney to see a you know significant increase like in targets 
and then playing alongside like Allen Robinson, I'm like, who's going to command a lot of defensive attention. You know, I think Mooney's really in a position to, uh, to thrive. So that's really the differentiator for me between like Mooney, uh, Mooney and Gallup. Cause I'm pretty high on Gallup too. He's a nice value, but with Mooney, I could just see him getting more targets and Gallup. So that's who I'm going to go with. Yeah. D- Darnell Mooney, I think has become every fantasy analyst's favorite sleeper. Uh, for, yeah, at least certainly in Chicago, I think you, oh, yeah. you ask for a sleeper for the Bears and everybody's going to hit you with Darnell Mooney for good reason. I certainly understand mm-hmm. that. I'm still very much uh, on the Gallup bandwagon. I was last year and I, I contend that it probably would have been a better year if Dak stays healthy. Uh, yeah. So I still do like Michael Gallup, too. So uh, mm-hmm. but either either of them, I think, are pretty good late round values with, with some potential to have fairly high ceilings uh, for where you're drafting them. Yeah. Um. All right. Before I let you go, I always like to do some just fun rapid fire questions. I had to ask this one because you started a little bit of a firestorm uh, in our little corner of Twitter not that long ago talking about uh, guys who have played Batman on screen. Um, so I just I'm just going to ask you here to put it out here right now. Who is the best on screen Batman? I did really start something there, didn't I? Did not. <laughs> <laughs> so for for me it's uh it, it's been Affleck. I love love the portrayal, you know, in all the uh Zack Snyder uh films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter to discuss further, <laughs> but I would say it's two key reasons. One, you know, he looks like Batman and he mm-hmm. fights like Batman in the films. Like if you look at that fight scene from Batman v Superman, I'm just like that's what Batman should look like in a movie, the ferocity, <laughs> you know, the physicality, you know, all of that. He looks like Batman. I'm like, look, look at the build. When I think of Batman, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't think of like Christian Bale. I'm a pretty big guy. I've got to build like 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 uh, Ben Affleck does, like, mm-hmm. you know, six, four, you know, broad shoulders. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's Batman. The other Batman, <laughs> I'm like, I think I could break that Batman in half. So that, that's my take. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think Ben Affleck was the best part of those Snyder movies. Um, yeah. And, and I say that as somebody who, when they first announced the casting, I was pretty dismissive of it. I'm like, really? Ben Affleck? Ah. And then, you know, while while I, I did not love Dawn of Justice and I didn't love the original cut of, of Justice League. Oh, no, no, it's I, terrible. I, I will say I liked the Snyder cut a little bit more. I um I also watched it. I also watched it like I was binge watching a series. I think I watched it in like three parts, basically. But yeah. but but Affleck was the best part of those movies um mm-hmm. i i think i'll always be partial to michael keaton because the 1989 batman is always going to be close to yes. my heart great. always great. always going to be close to my heart but mm-hmm. um i i don't think i don't think it's a ridiculous hot take i know it started like i said it started a little bit of a kerfuffle on twitter <laughs> but i don't think it's a crazy crazy hot take um so that's it i i just i just wanted to get you on record <laughs> saying that that's all that's all um so you are you are in Texas where grilling is kind of an Olympic sport. Um, for yeah. you, what is your favorite thing to throw on the grill? Yeah, for, for me, it's uh, steaks. You know, my, my favorite cut, you know, is a ribeye steak, mm-hmm. uh, medium rare. That's just probably my favorite thing to do. Nothing, nothing beats just a nice piece of meat, you know, just uh, salt, pepper, nice, simple seasoning. Don't have to get extravagant. Throw it on the grill. Love it. All right. See, I was going to ask if you had like a special rub. I didn't want you to give away any family secrets. There you go. Salt, pepper. That's all it is. Just just keep it simple, everybody. Uh, All right. And the last one, speaking of Olympic sports, obviously, they just wrapped up in Tokyo uh, a few days ago. If you were to participate in in an Olympic sport, could be winter or summer, either one, uh, what would you do? Yeah, I, I was just thinking something like uh, like weightlifting's in it. I don't think powerlifting is in it anymore, but I would just say something like weightlifting. That's my okay. first thought. 
Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, simple, basic, to the point. You know, uh, it's there good. I like it. Oh, uh, Eric, appreciate the time as always. For folks who are looking to find your work, where can they find it? Yeah, you can find all of my work over at uh, Pro Football Network. You know, we're the primary voice, you know, of uh, Pro Football, and I've got a lot of content that's over there. I know we're getting ready to launch like our uh, draft kit, uh, so it'll be some player profiles and other content that I've been preparing for uh, all summer. You know, that'll get uh, kind of distributed out there. I know uh, Tommy Garrett and I, you know, just started, uh, you know, our uh, podcast. You know, in the mood for fantasy football. So the first episode will actually drop uh, on Tuesday night. And so, yeah, everyone give it a listen and uh, review it, you know, and subscribe on uh, on iTunes. But, yeah, you can find all my work there. And I can't stress enough, you know, re- reach out to me on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, love conversations. You know, my whole mantra is just leave no question uh, unanswered. So looking forward to engaging with everyone there. And, Marcus, I'll say to you, thanks again for the invite. It's always good catching up, sir. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the time. I'm glad you were able to carve some time out for me and definitely hit him up on Twitter, Eric in Moody, uh, for all of your Batman hot takes uh, and fantasy football questions as well. Uh, Eric, I appreciate it, man. Stay good uh, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll catch catch up again soon. Yeah, Um, likewise. And then for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if someone else wrote it, it can't be a self-help book. Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.